our grandma used to have a, a plaque on the wall that said, I can only please one person per day. Today is not your day. <laughs> Tomorrow doesn't look good either. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 113 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the requester of API endpoints. I'm Sam and I'm the third leg of the squeaky stool. And today is August to 8, 2017. It's very windy. It's disgusting. Yes. Also that. Before... <laughs> Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show. There's going to be profanity, pretty much guaranteed. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a baby, well, it's fine. If you're a child, get out of here. Uh, if you're a teenager, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I feel like that's I a great area. Have to say Are teens allowed to hear profanity? How does this work? We have to say that you shouldn't listen, but you definitely should. I think kind of yeah, like Especially uh, if you fall into these categories that we're saying you shouldn't listen. Mm -hmm. Now, there's kind of that, there's sort of that, like that PG-13 area where like right. you can swear, but you got to keep track. You know, and you, you got to count your swears. Yeah, because there's a well. It's a well-known phenomenon where if teenagers hear more than like six swear words They're in a one-hour period, yeah. they just become adults. Mm. Just oh, immediately. that's right. Their childhood lost. Their that's innocence right. is destroyed. Um, they feel nothing. I think some small percentage of them also turn into werewolves. Yeah, that's true. Just, yeah. a, just a rigorous transformation. Yeah. Do you really want to roll those dice? And swear of course, wolves. swear wolves. <laughs> and of course, this is why the uh, hair removal industry is always pushing for more profanity in, in films. That's but, right. That's true. Uh, that is a big lobby. It's a big, it's a big lobby. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what's going on this past week? First of all, last pot, last episode, we talked about the fact that somebody, some mystery person, sent us five pounds of Coca Cola flavored gummies attached to a note, attached to a, a mysterious note. We didn't know who it was. We also weren't sure if we had eaten all of them. We, we did. We did not. No. We did not. Nope. They still exist. They still exist. They're in the third cubby. Oh, not. they got cubbied. Yeah. I did my best to eat them all last week, but I was not successful. And then you hid the, the remainder in a cubby. Yep, for this week. <laughs> well, we know who did it. It was Ryan Dolph, mm -hmm. who we have, who has uh, gotten questions answered on the podcast before. So thanks, Ryan Dolph. Thanks. For the big sack of gummies. Yeah. Uh, also, Sam got a dog. I did. Let's talk about this. All right, so we got this, we went to the pound on Saturday. And Diana, we had, we had a bunch of plans. We've been... We've been sort of slowly coming to this idea that we need to get a dog. And by we, I mean Diana. And then she's been telling me that we need to get a dog. And so and we decided, I mean, she told she me. She told it me it was decided. decided. And so we talked about it a bunch. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Especially if we if we get the right dog, which is A, not a puppy. Because who's got time for that? Not me. So yep, no if we get an older dog. That way also you can swear around it. True. Yes. You Although can, if you just get a, dog, a puppy and swear at it a bunch, does it turn it into just, a It just rapidly dog? ages. Well, yeah. yeah. You, I think it is like... <laughs> It's like a Benjamin Button sort of scenario. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess probably forward, though. So just, so just regular, like, just aging. <laughs> just, it's, it's like, like a, an opposite Benjamin Button scenario, right? <laughs> you know, one of those. Aging. So, but yeah, so we, we, we've been going to the pound. And so part of our strategy for this was to, uh, in my case, I told Diana, I was like, you know, we got to, let's just wait until uh, a few of these other things that we have going on in our life are, are figured out. And so mm -hmm. that came down to, she was on a trip last week, so she's back, and then she's starting some school stuff. And so, uh, Everything's kind of in play. And so what we've been doing is just going to the pound basically once a week and not with the intent. That's to pretty free. Just kind, of, just kind of torturing yourselves. Well, just, well yeah, I'm good with it. But so the idea is not, not to go with the intent to get a dog, but just to essentially interact with a few dogs to see. It's this early stopping problem that we talked about a long time ago. So in other words, ah, when so you see enough dogs. sampling process. Exactly. So okay. this is a sampling process to see enough dogs such mm -hmm. that when we see after some certain amount of time, a dog that hits basically all the criteria that we'll just be like, yes. So uh, we're doing this for a couple of weeks now, 
And we went into the pound on Saturday and we had a bunch of plans. We we're supposed to go to, there's an international festival in St. Louis, a bunch of great food. We we're supposed to go to that. And then we we're supposed to go to someone's uh, like housewarming party in the evening. But we go to the pound and the first little uh, sort of cubby area they have for the, for the new dogs that come in. Next to the Coca-Cola gummies. Next to the Coca-Cola uh-huh. gummies. Uh, there's this just adorable little creature and it's just looking up and he's shaking like a leaf and, but still very excited and happy. And Diana looked at him and I was like, that's a really, it's a really cute dog. And of course Diana's just already swept up because it's an adorable dog. So she's like, that's her criteria. She's ready mm-hmm. to go. So we get the dog to go play with it. And, um, just as total sweetheart, it's a cocker spaniel, full bred. And apparently had just gotten there like four hours before we arrived. Nice. So the thing is small dogs essentially always just leave the pound they get in and leave because they're easier to take care of, generally speaking. Um, and they, they can be to, in apartments. Exactly. And so they, we actually, all of the dogs that we've been wanting to get are on the smaller side. And so we've, anytime Diana has called after finding one online, the dog is gone. So by the time they post it into the database and then that gets propagated, the dog's gone. And so this is the first time where the, we were the first ones to find them. We were the people. You were the ones. We were the ones who disappeared the dog. The dog. And so- uh, It does probably, that complicates the optimal stopping problem because now there's this added time pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. But so in this case, we had, you know, we'd done this enough and we I, we saw the dog and he doesn't, doesn't shed, smells great, adorable, fully trained, knows everything already. Uh, turns out he's a bit of a maniac when you put him outside. So we got to work on some leash skills because he probably was just it's kept in a house. He's a small skill. Dog. You got to you got to learn it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but we ended up getting him. So his his name was Eli, but we were like, nah. So we just call him Yogurt, which <laughs> <laughs> is shortened rapidly into Yogi, which is a great name for a dog. So mm-hmm. uh, Yogi's great. Taught him how to go up some. Have you considered Gert? Uh, we Gert. yeah, we, we called him Gert. Uh, <laughs> Gert, just all sorts Ert. of. <laughs> Oh, Gur. Gur's pretty good. Yeah, though. the thing is we wanted to be able to call him Gur. Yeah, so. you get a good Invader Zim exactly. moment going. So we put all of them there. But yeah, so we got, we got a dog, and he's great. Super chilled. Uh, he just, Diana left for a class this morning and came back. We just left him in the house, and he was just chilling on the couch. So he's he's just like an older dog. He's seven. He doesn't give a crap. He's a good dog. He's just hanging out. <laughs> so I like that. I've got a dog just named after food, which is Coco. Mm-hmm. You got a dog named Yogurt, and Adam's wife wants to get a dog and name it Macaron so two French foods packed together. It's a lot of food dogs. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yep. Good names. So yeah, congratulations, yeah, congratulations, Thanks. Sam. Thank you. Thank it's you. big. Li- it's a big life move. Yeah. Uh, also, speaking of moves, mm, this nice. past weekend smooth. that was a smooth. This past move. weekend, hey, <laughs> uh, Mo got a house and moved. Mm-hmm. So, so congrats. Yeah, she's been in St. Louis now for sort of about six two months, months. Uh, and so. So she's been sort of living with various, with family and stuff like mm-hmm. that and finally getting settled in St. Louis, which is great. So we had a big butterscotch moving day on the weekend, Yeah, which I got to say that was the smoothest move op. It was ridiculous. We got, we got a full 26 foot U-Haul loaded up, filled to the brim in about two hours mm-hmm. and fully unpacked in 40 minutes. That was very fast. Yeah. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was the best part about it is mo- moving is one of those things that, of course, can be completely infuriating if you're with the wrong people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But because it was just the Butterscotch crew and then a few of Mo's fam, then we just had like fantastic time. Just, just everyone's cracking jokes, just laughing, snacks, eating snacks, laughing a bunch. Um, it was just a really good time. Yeah. So not that I'd want to do it again, but um, <laughs> well, we, well, we also it was enjoyable. We also had the don't be a hero rule. 
Yeah. Where you, which was violated a few times. Some people tried to be heroes. Who, who was it? Uh, I did at one point. So we, were, <laughs> we, were, so we, had, we had started, we had packed up quite a bit of the 26 feet of this truck. And then we were looking into the back and realized, you know, we could get much more stuff back there. If mm. someone climbed over. Problem is it's already half filled. So yep. like someone has to go in. So they handed me a knife. It's like those scenes in like horror movies, you yeah. know, where like, yeah. So, so I drew the short straw, uh-huh. or I guess volunteered for it. And then they gave me a knife and some and some twine, which is just like a hilarious thing. Like We're a like, horror get movie. back in there and tie some things. <laughs> tie some <laughs> things up. So I did like some Spider-Manning into there. And uh, and then they just threw things at me and I packed them over the stuff. And then I had to climb back out before they trapped me and buried me in, in various. Yeah, I remember when I, was, when I was packing up, I got one of those pods when I moved, you know? Mm-hmm. I remember packing that thing up and I was trying to, and I was strapping it all down with those, you know, whatever you call those stretchy bungee cable mm-hmm. things. That's, yeah, that's what they're called. Stretchy bungee cables. Yeah. Um, and every time I put one on, I was like, I'm going to lose an eye. Yeah. <laughs> every <laughs> fucking time. Those are the scariest yeah. kind of pieces of thing. But it was, yeah, same kind of deal. I was like climbing over stuff and there's like these bungees everywhere. I'm like, oh God, this it's is like a Mission Impossible scene or something. Life. It's dangerous. But it we did fun. it. We survived. And so now Mo's got cool, cool new house. Yeah. We met Mo's dad. He's an awesome, awesome dude with a Caribbean accent. Yeah. And he, ends, he calls everyone babies. He, yeah. He ends, <laughs> he ends most of his sentences with a baby. And so at one point, yeah, I was like, yeah, get that box in there, baby. <laughs> like, that is like, awesome. Fuck yeah, That's man. amazing. <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, so that happened. It's good. It's good. All right. Job. Let's talk about. So we, we talked about Airtable a little while ago uh-huh. on the podcast and how it's the gift that keeps on giving, how awesome man. it is. Yeah. Uh, it's starting to feel like we're sponsored by them. <laughs> totally are not though. We're Although just, if we're they're offering, maybe I mean, we'll just, we'll just, we'll take we'll it. Take it. It's not going to change anything though. <laughs> no. Um, um, but Adam ended up with an air table project this, this weekend. weekend. Yeah. Well, so, so when we first started to play with air table, the question I always ask every time we start to dive into some new piece of software is what's the API look like? Right. And I remember looking at it because we were putting together the thing Sam talked about, the Dossy mm-hmm. tools that we can keep track of who we're in contact with and stuff. And I opened up their API documentation and I was like, and it was just fucking magic because they actually custom build you an API and they custom document it for for the for your data, for your table, right? So in other words, all the data is already filled out. It's already filled out for right. you. And and it's and it's in node and they put they give you all the code. So you can literally just copy paste the code for each thing. So they're like so like how to update a field, right? And then there's your code right there, and it already has your fields in it. So, you're just so like, you just like, like I'll just out. do that then. Yeah, I there's guess. there's because <laughs> usually when working with an API, you always have, there's always that struggle figuring out, okay, what data needs to go in here, what data mm-hmm. comes back, what are the how arguments? Do you, how do you format it properly? Yeah, there, there are all these questions that you have to basically just dig into it and fiddle with it until you can learn it or or you know, read really deeply into the generic API documentation to find out. But this was just we just told you how to do everything. It was mm-hmm. amazing. And I remember so I looked at that when we first got it up, and I was really pumped about it. Um, so then when Sam was putting his stuff together, I was like, this is gonna be awesome. Cause if we ever need to automate something, we like, can, we just can. Yeah. Airtable. But we hadn't yet. <laughs> and this weekend, my wife was, I, my, so I got my wife on Airtable cause she's organizing some of her projects. And then as she was filling with it, she was like, oh, this would be a good way for me to actually like archive, make like a, my own library for all my books. Cause she has an enormous number of books. Um, but they're all just like everywhere and she doesn't even know like what, what all is there, has. you know, and all that right. stuff. Uh, but including things like, are they read yet? You know, like all the status stuff that would be really useful to know. Um, also, she doesn't know what books I have and I don't know what books that she has. So like good family library, mm-hmm. right? So uh, we started, so so she, we started like talking about what that would look like. She started putting one together and at some point got frustrated because she was trying to enter in the data for these books, but it's like a horrible data entry problem, mm-hmm. right? So then she discovered that 
Airtable has a barcode scanning option, so you can like that can just be a column type. Airtable. So if you're so if you're, <laughs> if you're on a phone, you could just scan the book, uh, right, APC right. or whatever you call those codes, barcodes, barcode, ISBN, barcode, ISBN to get yeah. the ISBN number. So then you could just like populate the ISBN. And she was doing that, but then still had to fill out all the rest of it, of course. And she was like, "There's got to be some way to not have to do that." And I was like, "Airtable." <laughs> So then I, then I spent the, the rest of the evening putting oh, together uh, just a simple little node application that just talks to her database, finds all of the entries that have a code but don't have a name, and then talks to Google's Books API to get all the info, and, and then adds it, it to in. those tables, uh-huh. just all automatically in the background. And mm. thanks to Google also, because that API was easy to use, it turned out. Yeah. Um, Though they did throttle me at some point, which, you know, hurt my feelings a little bit, but also I understand. <laughs> like, they hey, throttled you. <laughs> your yeah. process is too <laughs> slick. Get out of they here. Told me to, they told me to turn it down a notch. Um, but yeah, it was really, really slick. So I put that thing together afterwards. I was so pumped about it. Um, I was like, holy shit, we just need to be using this for everything because that means anytime someone's like, you know, but it would be a little more convenient if I could just automate like this part of this mm-hmm. data set I have. Airtable. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's we, amazing. You know, uh, Speaking of which, like, if they want to sponsor us, like Airtable, if you're listening, we'll send them a note after this. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. We'll take but, it. Uh, we'll but yeah, take so it. one of the interesting things about about these different tools is if if they start having broader applications, mm-hmm. and some tools solve what are essentially generic, very high level problems, right? Right. So organization is sort of like the key problem yeah. for most of everything that we ever do. Is sort of how do you manage all of the data? How do you manage all of your life and everything else? So any tool I've ever used that is just just beastly when it comes to a good way to organize your thoughts or whatever else. I mean, workflow is one we've talked about a lot before. Mm-hmm. Um, but wait, like they start the the applications for all these things start getting huge because they they work for everything that you do, yeah. which is super fun. And especially if they have APIs that can talk to yeah. each other, which workflow also has an API. I haven't played with that one yet, but Maybe this yeah. is all good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually, I updated our, we're, we're using Airtable to manage our content pipeline for the next game. Mm-hmm. And so I set up a, a section of the Airtable for Fat Bard, where mm-hmm. basically there's a bunch of check boxes for things that he can just check for, for all the different sound effects to fill in. So now he doesn't have to manage a list. I don't have to manage a list. It's just automatically populated. Yep. Boom. Problem cool. solved. And actually, so if you go, if you go to Airtable, we got invited to their university thing. So uh, our Dossy template, a template of the thing that we use to track all of our people is up on their uh, university thing. So if you are yeah. university, I think is what it's called. So if you do the same thing where you're like, I need to manage all these press contacts, literally the one that we use it's is there. up there and it has an example person named Steve in it. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to do that. Check it out. Yeah, bear in mind, Steve is imaginary. It's not a real Steve. Don't try to call mm-hmm. Steve. Yeah. Just leave Steve alone. Mm-hmm. Is there even a phone number call him in there? I don't think so. <laughs> we Which is why you guys. definitely shouldn't try to call him. No, definitely not. All right, so then the last thing I want to talk about before we get on to some questions, which we have some fantastic questions this week, uh, is there's an interesting problem that comes from, from building your game off of a, a pre-existing idea. So I just want to kind of talk about this a little bit. Okay, yeah. So we uh, did the... The Butterscotch Shenana Jam in May, and we made a game called Snuppies and or Snuppy Rustling, mm-hmm. and that game has served as the foundation for the game that we are now working on. We, as of today, we're on version forty nine, which is the same number of versions as before launching. And we Quadrupus and Talfight, right? And every day is a version, right? Basically, yes. basically every day is a version, unless there's some kind of like major system work happening mm-hmm. where the game doesn't really change. But basically, it's a significant change in the game, right. uh, so it's usually day by day. 
So we're on version 49. Um, and the game just now on version 49, I feel like we finally dropped the last bit of holdover design ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, from the original stigial organs. Uh, yeah. Sort of like the, the appendix, the appendix of Snuppy rustling that was keeping this, this game from being fully realized. So, would you say it just had appendicitis basically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we just ripped that appendix out, mm-hmm. but this is, I think this is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting problem to kind of dive into a little bit because I think this also relates to not just starting with a, with a jam game or whatever, but it relates to even, using existing genres of games as a foundational starting point for what your game should be. And as you go through the design process, basically just taking things as they are and incorporating them into your game without actually sort of stepping back one step further mm-hmm. and asking whether or not that's a, I mean, it's, it's even more general than that because it's for basically all of design and problem solving. Right. Cause you, you have to start with something. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can only start with what you know. Right. And so as you, as you work on things, I think it's really important to, constantly ask the question of why a thing is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, even things that seem obvious and seem like it's just a given that a thing is going to be like that. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, so part of this is maintaining a level of agility when it comes to your thinking about your project is oftentimes very hard to do. People get sort of, you get you know, narrowly locked in. And then if someone has an idea that might require, for example, a ton of work to actually implement, uh, there's oftentimes a lot of resistance to it. So just a good way to do this is just to have a, a conversation that goes, that essentially goes something like, you know, what would this look like if blah, because you're not necessarily saying, I think we should do this, right? Yeah, but so, the problem with that conversation is usually there's a lot of resistance. Exactly. So if you just say, let's just explore. This isn't a suggestion. <laughs> it's yeah. just, a, just an idea. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out what happened. Um, yeah. And that's an interesting, so what ended up happening with uh, sort of snuppy rustling versus the current game was with snuppy rustling. The goal was to capture, I think three snuppies. snuppies. Yeah. So basically both players had a pile of snuppies, which were like these snail dogs mm-hmm. and you have to capture your, all three of your opponents snuppies. And so the game has since moved on to capturing something else, but it was still the case that each player had three of them mm-hmm. and the goal was to capture all three. Uh, but this led to an interesting problem where as the game progressed, fewer and fewer things to capture existed, right? Because if you've captured two of your opponent's objects, mm-hmm. then there's only one left. Is there, is there a reason you don't want to give it a name? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Game's still in flux. Fair enough. You've, you've captured the objects. Basically well, the whole flag. point is that the, the, the arc should be that as the game goes on, it gets more and more intense. But what's happening is that as the game went on, it was actually getting less intense. There's sort of a peak in the middle where there's a lot of stuff happening on the board and then toward the end, it would just sort of like flatline because mm-hmm. nobody could do anything. There was nothing, there was nothing to do because there's only one thing to sort of try to get or try to wrangle. And so as a result, in other words, the, like the, the total number of options available to a player to, of things to, uh, to consider doing or to worry about actually was going down over time, even though the ability for players to do things was going up. I guess so. I guess a good analogy would be if you're watching a football game, if every quarter the football field got like a hundred yards longer, so the probability of anybody actually <laughs> right. scoring just went down over time. Right? Um, so it's a little boring. So we, we kind of looked mm-hmm. at that and we were like, what if there was just infinite of these things? Instead of a limited pile of three of these things, what if we just had infinite of them? The goal is still to capture three. Um, but now anytime one of your one of your little creatures gets to the other side, they snatch up one of these objects and they start running away with it. And so 
So now every single character in the game has a job to do. And they're a threat. And they're a threat, right? Where it mm -hmm. used to be once there was only one of these things left to capture, there's nothing to do. Mm -hmm. um, so, and this, this kind of brings me back to like when we're working on Crashlands and we had the inventory problems that we had and then Adam was like, what if we just didn't do that? What if we just didn't have an inventory? Mm -hmm. um, so apparently infinity is always the answer so far. That's a, Seem, that's a good point. Could we be. Um, <laughs> I mean, design template. Just, could we use infinity? Yeah. <laughs> Can we just yes, make this no. infinite? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in those things. So I think if, if anybody uh, out there who's listening is, is working on a, like a game project or even just like any kind of project where you're solving interesting problems, um, it's always a good exercise to step back and evaluate all the different pieces of, of your solution and ask why that's part of your solution to the problem. So anyways, pretty interesting stuff. Cool. Let's get on some questions. <laughs> These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you would like to get your question on the podcast, go there and put it in that text box mm -hmm. and then push submit. Mm -hmm. All right. And also, we know that some of you are having trouble logging in. And I probably could find a way to fix it, but it's just like legacy garbage code right now. And I'm just hoping to replace it soon. Adam's in the midst of rebuilding. Adam's in the midst of rebuilding everything All about our, our web infrastructure. So it will someday be awesome. Um, this is not that day. <laughs> it's not, tomorrow's not looking good either. But, you know, give, but give it your best shot, though, because we would love to hear your questions. Our, our grandma used to have a, a plaque on the wall that said, I can only please one person per day. Today is not your day. <laughs> Tomorrow doesn't look good either. <laughs> she was a sassy woman. Mm -hmm. all, right. Uh, all right. First question uh, comes from Upskatningsman. Mm -hmm. Yep. Hello's. Is your butterscotch shenanigans splash screen a video file or is it somehow programmed in Game Maker? You always seem eager to save space in your games, and that seems like one way to do it. Anyway, that's the way I do it in my own games. Hugs, heart. That's, yes, that's correct. It is programming, as is everything in our games. Yep. There yeah. are no video that, files. That video file would probably be the size of the game. Yep. So. That's true, actually. <laughs> yeah, Crash has 60 megabytes. So, yeah, it's just programmed. Mm -hmm. It's the best way to do it. I don't know why anybody would do it any differently. All right, next question comes from... <laughs> Comes from Retro Banana Man NL. I like this question. He, this is a, he's, he's a, a good question. He's a he's a question champ. Does he need a nickname now? I guess he already is. He's just the unlicensed Banana Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you guys count down to the weekend? Hmm. Because at my holiday job, uh, everybody starts on Thursday saying almost weekend. But how do you guys feel about the weekend? I'm not sure what a holiday job is. Interesting. But I, but I guess the, I guess the question is. Are we counting down to the weekends? I so I count down to Jam Day because well, I'm like, oh I, so yeah, it's actually, be a good one. So mm -hmm. on on Friday, uh, which is normally our day off, Tifa came in to the office to work on some other projects and stuff, and we ended up having this interesting conversation where <laughs> where she was like, I hate Fridays, and I said, why? She said, because it's the first day of the weekend, and it, then it's like a three day break before we're all working again. And I hate it. <laughs> and I was like, so what you're telling me is that Friday now is kind of like what Monday used to be at other jobs. Right. Right? <laughs> right. Where you're just, you hate, you're not looking forward to waking up on that Friday morning and, and then not going into right. work. So I don't know. Does that, does that resonate? Yeah. Does well, that, yeah, I think we, and that's, that's sort of exactly where we're trying to get with all of our work stuff, right? Is, is craft everything such that, that you just have really cool stuff to do with really good people. And so coming into the work, to the work day is always just very exciting and clear as far as what you're supposed to be doing. Um, so I, I definitely don't count down to the weekends. Actually, usually what happens is 
on Thursday, I've, I've started it right after jam day. So we'll wrap up everything by like 8.45 or so as far as all of our discussion. And then I'll actually sit in the office for another probably 30 or 40 minutes and plan out my weekend as far as all of the general stuff I need to do. Um, and then Fridays are my days where I run errands and like sort of take care of life. Mm-hmm. That's like an eight to four sort of scenario. You're going doing some stuff. And sometimes it only takes a few hours, which is cool. But that's sort of my reservation for Friday. And then that way, the whole rest of my week is freed up. Now, the, the interesting problem that's occurred is that what do I do with that freedom? Right. <laughs> it's so, it's sort of supposed to do. It has uh-huh. raised more questions than it has answered, um, but in a good way. Like I feel like it's a, I feel like it's it's good to slack time for me to be able to think about things. Um, but I don't look forward to it in the sense that I'm looking to be relieved of my duty from the week, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for the change of pace because I think it allows for some reflection time. But I'm not necessarily. Uh, I'm not. I'm not excited about it. It's well, just it's another. So di- fr- it's it's so just a different day of the week. Yeah, it's so free form. I mean, when we're when we're working day to day, we're all doing interesting stuff that we enjoy doing around people we like to be around, right? Mm-hmm. And we have structure, and we kn- kind of know what's important, know what we should be focusing on. And so it's very easy to just like just feel awesome, yeah, about what you did that day. And then Friday, you could just you could easily just fuck it up. Right, <laughs> you, just, yeah. Yeah. You, you could like sleep in by an extra hour or something, and then you get up and you're kind of foggy, and then you're like, "What should I do?" And then you like, it's easy to just lose the day, kind of slurbing around because yeah. there's no more, plan. there's no plan, there's no structure. Like you got to really be, you know, rigorously focused on right. establishing a sense of structure. Well, I think, I think this brings us to an interesting point about just the general psychology of of work and. Uh, there's been lots of studies on this concept called flow, which I think we've talked about a few times on the podcast. And it's also a very common uh, concept in video games in particular or programming, where the idea is that there's some sort of optimal level of, of performance between boredom and sort of anxiety, I guess, being overwhelmed, where you're you're just having a good time and you're 100% of your brain is just dedicated to a thing. And people love being in this state. It's what you get in when you're like programming really hard or working on something or just sort of socializing really effectively. Anything where you're just 100% there. And interestingly, the researcher who did that, uh, Csikszentmihalyi is his name. It's a bit of a mouthful, and it's like 70 different letters. Um, but <laughs> Csikszentmihalyi did this, I, I can't believe it was him who did this one study where they basically gave people beepers. And then oh, yes. the beeper would randomly go off during the workday, or during the day, just the whole day. And when it went off, they had to sort of fill out uh, sort of a, what's called a general affect. Like it's an affect form of some sort. So essentially measuring what they're feeling. Right and now. also what they were doing at the moment. Yeah, and then what they were doing. So, And then what they did is they just crunched all this data at the end and just said, when are people happiest? And people just across across the spectrum weirdly uh, report being happiest when they're working on stuff, but then culturally report not wanting to go to work or like not wanting to be working Yeah, this is, this is often cited as sort of a, a quintessential example of miswanting. Correct. Where when people are at work, they're the happiest, but they also... That's the thing they want to do the least. Yes. Right. When and they go so, home, they're the least happy. But the thing they don't want to do is go back to work where right. they are happy. Right. So so a lot of it comes down to figuring out kind of what what are we doing on the weekends? Like that's that's just like the weird problem now because you have three of these days. And it used to be that with just the two, it basically wasn't quite enough to like get on top of all your shit, maybe see a friend and, and you know, do something random and fun. Uh, now with the three days, it actually is enough to do that and some more. And so the question is, what's that? What is that more? I wonder if part of that too is because they're basically randomly sampling throughout the day, mm-hmm. right? And they find that on average, presumably or something, you're happier during the workday. Mm-hmm. But what what's the variability look like I don't know. of your happiness during the workday versus at home? Because you might be on average less happy at home, 
but have a tighter variability. It's also right possible there. that people are just happier in the morning, you know, and mm -hmm. they just happen to be at work That's in the true. mornings more yeah. frequently. Yes. It's you know, there's a lot of ways you could slice this. No, but but it is true because all of us, all of us really love the stuff that we do. Mm -hmm. And I would always much rather look back on whether it's a weekend or no matter when it is, look back on my last four hours and be like, man, I crushed that programming problem. Then, man, I nailed that video game, right? Right. Uh, but I, every time I'm sitting down to, to work on something, I'm always like. Mm, this seems kind of hard. Maybe I should play video games instead. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I think that uh, every time the, the rule of thumb is always the thing you don't want to be doing is always the thing you definitely should be doing. Mm -hmm. So like you don't want to go to the gym. You should be doing that. Right. Uh, you don't want to sit down and read a JavaScript book. So you should probably do that. If there's something you really want to do, like eat ice cream, watch Netflix and play video games. Uh, those are all things that afterwards you're going to look back and be like, oh, well, shit. Except butterscotch games, obviously. Yeah, those are, <laughs> yeah, those are exactly. very, those are deeply fulfilling. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think. Mm. Well, I think so. This we had this interesting discussion this morning about uh, what because I I basically been looking for another project for the weekends. Like I I want some more work to do on the weekends. It's not actually <laughs> quite. That's not so thoroughly related to the game and the general business production stuff that we do during the week because I have somewhere between like four and six hours where during the weekend where. I could do basically anything. And sometimes I just fill it up with video games or with sort of like an extra session with friends or whatever else. But I think what I actually need is just like some more fun, interesting thing to work on. Yeah. The way that I view weekends is basically uh, the way I just, I change, I have the exact same list of priorities all the time. I just change their relative ranking depending on context and, and what day of the week it is. Right. So during the normal Monday through Thursday work week, it's purely like at the very top, you know, right underneath making sure my life doesn't fall apart is butterscotch, but butterscotch stuff that's high leverage that moves the company mm -hmm. forward as aggressively as possible. Uh, I use my Friday through Sunday um, to sort of reshuffle priorities. We're now some like, you know, life and home and social stuff now gets bumped up. But, uh, and then the, the high leverage butterscotch stuff, like if there's something I need to do, then that, you know, also gets priority. But otherwise... I flip that too. And now I look at the it's weird like R D, right? It's like R and yeah. D and like and weird, interesting stuff that I have no idea if it's even worth doing. But I, I use the the sort of the context, like now it's the weekend. I use that as sort of the the excuse that lets me feel comfortable not doing a really high leverage. Just, bur just yeah, burning that right. time yeah, in case so, it doesn't pay off. Right. It's so, more exploratory work. I think. Yeah, it's exploratory. Yeah. So, like, so this weekend I spent all of it doing uh, a whole bunch of like preliminary data analysis for a, for an article I want to write, um, about games publishing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I took me a little bit to get into it on Friday. Like I knew I wanted to do it, you know, but it took me a little bit of time to get hooked, but then I was hooked for the whole weekend. Just like plowing through it. Like the whole time I was doing it, I was like, I have no idea if this is worth doing. There were a few times where I almost gave up on it. Cause it looked like it was going nowhere after mm -hmm. like, you know, after about eight hours in. Um, so I was about, I was ready just to burn eight hours and be completely okay with it. Because um, what else were you gonna do with this? Because what else was I was gonna do with it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I, but but it is it is tricky, and and, uh, and I, I think I think it requires going in knowing ahead of time where just where your priorities are and what you feel comfortable having them be, so that you get to look back on that time afterwards mm. and not feel like it was misspent. I think there's a danger that that we have, and certainly that I faced for a long time, uh, of any time I wasn't doing the most high leverage thing for right. butterscotch, I would think that that was wasted time. Mm -hmm. And, and I think what, to me, that's kind of what work-life balance has become is basically the, there's like, there's at work. It allows work, you to invert the. And there's outside of work, work. Right. Right. 
And I get to invert the relative priority right. of those in a way where I can kind of chase interesting, fanciful things related to it outside of the office. Um, but in a cool way, in a cool way, uh, that exploratory stuff, it, it always comes back. Oh yeah. No, it's still, it's it actually high back, value. It always comes back to yeah. your day-to-day work anyways. Yep, absolutely. So as long as you're, I mean, as long as you're just doing, as long as you're learning or doing something interesting or whatever, just I mean, it doesn't anything. even have to be the entire weekend. Just, you know, no, just, not. Yeah. just something. Well, I don't know. Weekends are complicated and messy. And I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) Next question comes from The Rumpus. Hey, dudes. Recently became a listener and a huge fan of everything you guys do, especially Crash Ends of the Podcast. Thanks. Uh, That was me saying thanks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you guys plan on doing any more bundles with source code for your games? I missed my chance during the last Humble Bundle. Sad face. Mm, Uh, We would would like to. We have to kind of get invited to those. Yeah. (laughs) So. Uh, and actually, we you know we we put a bunch of our jam games in to this latest humble bundle and the one before that mm-hmm. the last year. But that means those those games have all gone through two bundles, and those are for Game Maker Studio, which is not going to be around a lot longer. It's going through 2018, which means they're definitely not doing this bundle next year. They're not. They, they well, they unless they're uh, out. Of I would minds. assume. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so that would mean that whatever comes next, we would have to send some Game Maker Studio 2 stuff. Mm-hmm. And be cool. it'd be cool, but it would also mean we'd probably need to make some stuff for it from scratch mm-hmm. because of the fact that we have now just a lot of sort of proprietary, super secret tech that we've built into mm-hmm. into Game Maker Studio. It's all sort of like Iron Man Jarvis kind it's of It's very Jarvisy. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't want Jarvis to get out because that's how uh, that's how you get Ultron. That's how you get Ultron. Right. So, so uh, you know, if I guess it kind of depends if we get invited to do it, then we'll have to figure out you know what to do. We may just mm-hmm. do a gem and just you know pump something out. Um, but that is something we'd like to do. Another option would be for us to actually just sell source code directly, which we've never even considered or talked about until this exact moment. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, could do that. We could. We could do that. Can you just <laughs> sell source code on the Yo-Yo Marketplace? Is that a thing? Oh yeah, you can. I guess that. yeah, we could just do that. Yeah, because the question so. is like, where is the platform we could go to to sell that kind of stuff? Oh, I don't want to have to do it ourselves. This sounds like a pain in the butt. No, and then there aren't enough people who would know that we were doing it for it to yeah, matter. Yes, so we could so. totally do that. Let's right. just do that. Okay, cool. Right, good we'll, idea. Good idea. The rumpus. Thanks. All right. <laughs> uh, next question comes from anonymous. Uh, will you consider switching from Game Maker to a more advanced engine in the future? This is a loaded question. Yeah. So this is... Um, I assume by advanced you mean 3D. Is that, advanced I think, I think means 3D. Um, because I, I'm going to be honest, I don't think there is a more advanced 2D engine. Nope. I don't. I, mean, I don't think. I, what, mean, I have no what, idea. I mean, we, what, we, would we, have to, we would have to have used them all to, to really know, you know, because there's, there's some pretty good ones, I well, think. Well, my, my gauge is so far there's literally been nothing that I've wanted to do in 2D that I couldn't do in Game Maker. Yeah. Yeah, unless it was some version of 3D. Right. There like been, like, there been like converting that, the 2D image into a 3D mesh yeah. and then manipulating right. it or something. There have been things that I wanted to do, which are just much more about programming. Like have things that don't have to be global or have objects that don't have to track and destroy them independently while not accidentally also destroying something else because... Yeah, I'm not. Cetera, I'm talking about stuff the player cares about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, well, no, that's the question, we, though. Because we solve those problems. Yeah, yeah. Well, more or less. I'm not sure. Yeah, functional, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we work uh, around. No, but it is things. an important question when it comes to 
Because it, what do you mean by what are these advanced notes? A more advanced, more advanced yeah. It depends on what you mean by that, right? Because it is definitely true that like game maker as a language is not modern in the sense that like languages are now, right? Right. Versus C sharp and stuff that's used mm-hmm. in other in other things. Uh, and I, I would say it's it's inarguable that game maker's got some kind of backward shit going on with with its with its language. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is all stuff that can be worked around if that's like the environment that you live in. Um, and in terms of speed and getting stuff done and for making 2d stuff, um, despite all those, all those sort of weird traits it has, you can still do anything. Yep. And if that's the environment that you become an expert programmer in, then you can just definitely do anything and it's fine. Uh, I know for me, cause most of my time is spent in other languages. Uh, right now it's all JavaScript basically before that was like PHP and Python mm-hmm. and stuff. And so for me, every time I use game maker, it makes me a little upset because of some of these particular kinds of coding <laughs> properties, right? But, but again, I can manage it. And, and they are, they are making uh, great strides on their IDE and everything They are. Like that, and they, so. yeah, they do have on their, I'm, I'm super excited about a few key things in the roadmap that if they actually get those implemented, um, they don't have any timelines on them, but right. if, they, if they get those implemented, it's actually going to fix a handful of the major, major problems that, that GameMaker as a language has. Um, and I, I mean, it's a small team they, and they do good work. And I think, I think the, the engine itself it just continues to get better, mm-hmm. which I think all just on the whole is like what we would ask for, you know, is like, it solves all the problems that we need to have solved. Some things are more a pain in the ass than we would like, but most of them are less of a pain in the ass than they would otherwise yeah, yeah. be. And if, if we switched to 3d, yeah, we would not be using game anchor because right. that would be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Though people have done this. People have done this. I don't know why they have done this. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe that they've done this. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's about it. That's about Game it. Maker's yeah. fantastic. I highly recommend for 2D, but not for 3D. All right. Uh, next question comes from Skogist. In a previous podcast, you gents discussed how you hated crafting games. And so in Crashlands, you basically just omitted the parts of crafting you disliked. Can you talk more about this? What are the good and bad parts of crafting games? This question kind of mm-hmm. pops pops up in and out. Mm-hmm. Uh so first of all, I would say we don't necessarily hate crafting games. We just despise them with a deep, just a deep, seething sort of loathing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No, it's not, <laughs> it's, no, it's actually it's more like uh, I think they're that historically crafting games have they have a really compelling uh, sort of baseline concept that really speaks mm-hmm. to people, which is sort of like just starting from nothing and kind of uh, MacGyvering your way to the top, yep. right? which is super cool, but they, because of their nature of dealing with lots and lots of different items and stuff, they have a tendency to have really cumbersome uh, means of interaction. Well, I think the, the best way to think about it is, we've talked about this before about the idea of meta work. So meta yeah. work is the work you have to do in order to be able to do your work. So if you're a normal person, that means like having a calendar and maintaining it, uh, you know, like texting your friends to figure out a time to hang out. It's not doing the hangout that's sort of getting things ready to do it. If you're an abnormal person, it's tracking all your abs. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. Keep, Keep making sure they're normal. Making sure they're not so running away. In, in crafting games tradition, I think the thing that all of us have always reacted to very poorly is they tend to have just a lot of this meta work stuff. And actually, it ramps up similar to this problem we were talking about with Snuppies. Yeah, as, it grows over time. As the game gets further along, yeah, this this problem actually just starts exploding. So, so now it, you've got like chests with labels and you got to keep track of everything. Yeah. And if, if someone new comes in, they're like, oh, do you have this piece of copper? And you're like, oh, yeah, it's on the fourth chest from the right and the second slot. And yeah, I know. And, and, and so, and I mean, you're, and like you're doing more mental work to keep like a chest organized in Terraria than you would do to like plan your weekend, yeah. for example. Yeah. 
Yeah, when, <laughs> when Janae were playing a lot of Terraria, one of the home bases we built is basically just like this giant warehouse of just, it, it, it was, I mean, it was like probably 15 columns by like five rows, right? Mm-hmm. Of chests that we're just storing shit inside of because like that's how much stuff we accumulated over all right. of our Well, and it, it's driving me crazy. Yeah. So we played Portal Knights. Yeah. And it was driving me crazy was I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go get some stuff. And I'd go and I'd, and I would like kill an enemy or something. Something cool pops out. I'm like, I'm going to go grab that. And then I walk up to it. Nothing happens. I'm like what? Oh, no. oh, right. I open up my inventory. Hi, let me look through this. Uh, let me look through this pile of shit. And then what I'm not going to get rid of. What I got to get rid of. Like, I don't know what this the thing is. is like, maybe. I think the other funny thing about that is in most crafting games, you have no idea what's, what things are used for. Uh-huh. And so I I've had it happen. Know. Yeah. So I've had, had it happen actually in Terraria a bunch where the first couple of times I played, I was, I would see some stuff that I had in my inventory that I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is. I'd throw it out. And then like literally 20 minutes later, I'd be like, oh, that's a super rare thing. <laughs> right. Right. I did not know this. And so. So, so I think you have to have the wiki open at all times. They can look up all the things that you find and see right. if they're worth anything. And so I think there's, yeah. you know, when it comes to sort of the, the big, the big problem I have, I think all of us actually just have with crafting games. It's actually just that like the, the rest of the crafting game idea I think is, is wonderful. Well, like, there's the other, there's the other extra layer, which is the way most crafting, crafting games handle tools, well, it, which is it's because the, they take up inventory. Right. It's tool, the same problem. Tools take up inventory space and you have to put them onto a hot bar and then switch to that tool when, like, for example, you have an axe, and because of the way the game is set up, the only thing that that's good for is chopping wood. Yep. Right? Well, the has done a good job of addressing most of that. Yes. Yeah. You just hold the shift key yeah. for some reason. Because yeah. they could just have four <laughs> more fucking slots for your tools. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you still, you still got to have the tool yeah. in your inventory and then move it to your hot bar. And, yep. Um, yeah. Why? So, I mean, they didn't Why? fully Why solve exactly? it, but at least... At least now you can, you know, click oh, yeah, no, they, they made it much want. easier, but I think the interesting thing is that they have legacy the amount, systems are dealing. Yeah. With. You look at the amount of dev and interesting like sorting mechanics that they've added. Like oh, now yeah. in, yeah. in Terraria's case, you can walk, you can be near chests and there's a button next to your inventory you can hit that'll auto, auto suck everything out of your bag into the relevant chests where there's already that thing. Like, okay. So basically what they've done is they've it's allowed you to have infinite inventory. Provided, except provided you build a lot of chests and organize it first. It's right? <laughs> infinite, yeah, infinite inventory that is that is spatially organized. Yeah, is basically what it is. Yeah, and how many kinds of fucking things they have in that game? Well, There's so many. They got they got way more than we have in Crash. Yeah, so way more. so I think that's you know a lot of these games, and then you know we talk about uh, in Snuppy's case, Snuppy's the original design comes from us being like we kind of hate card games. So why? We, we don't know why. We just kind of hate them. So. Let's make one and then figure out why we hate the thing we just made and then, try, <laughs> and try and then not do that. that so they, but this goes back to the iteration thing you were talking about earlier as far as being agile with your design process because Crashlands had an inventory for yeah. the first like year, yeah. nine months or a year. The the first like third of its development, it was very much a carbon copy crafting game. Yeah. And we just kept on adding slots until we had over 80 slots. And then that still felt well, and bad. And we did all the efforts of, we, yeah, we made chests. We made auto-sorting mechanisms. We made all these ridiculous Yeah, the comical things. thing is the chests that you go and destroy in Crashlands that you just, like, pop open yeah, used, used to, to be, be the chests chest. you had to build to store all your shit in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reduce, made, reuse, recycle. Yeah. We, we got, so, so I think, I don't know what it is. For actually, there, is there still an open know. version of those chests? There might like, be. In the game? Well, so actually, just because it opened a UI, then we never, you, uh, we never drew an animated sprite for it, because who cares? Yeah, cause who even who even cares? cares? Nobody does. Uh, we'll yeah, figure so, out what the card game. So yeah. again, yeah, it's all about people. There's a there's holdover ideas from existing genres, and people just take them, they copy them, and paste them into into a new game. Whether it makes sense or not, whether it makes the game better or not, nobody just says, "Why? Uh, 
why are we doing this? Can we not do this? So that's why. Our next question comes Can from not? Bam Bam. Hmm. <laughs> it's B A M H M. Okay. 182. Bam. Hmm. 182. Hmm. You mentioned the demons you create from time to time. Uh, what do you use to host these? Do you have an internal server or is it something like Amazon AWS? Do you use collaboration tools like GitHub or do you have your own? Like GitLab, Adam. We, so we use Amazon AWS. Pretty, we're, we're migrating everything to that and all of our new stuff is on that. Uh, it's phenomenal because it's a huge pain in the ass to figure out how to actually use it. Mm-hmm. But once you do, it's amazing because then you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about stuff. You just make, you're like, oh, I need another computer. And then two Boop. seconds later, Amazon, make me a computer. Yep. You're like, oh, I need to put some Docker container on it. Boop. Amazon, <laughs> make me a Docker container. <laughs> so, and, and Amazon also has a Docker ho- Docker container hosting. So, um, which is like Docker Hub only, private, right? So, so we use that because that way all these services are stuck together. Uh, so as much as possible, I'm putting all of our stuff in the Amazon basket because it also means they all live in the same data warehouses. So then your costs are reduced when you're having things talk to each other and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And if they want to spawn each other and do that, Amazon is, is continuously adding new tech that allows you to automate a lot of that stuff. Um, so for making, you know, fleets of robots and really any cloud host, so like Google Cloud has this and Microsoft has this, they all offer kinds of a different suite, different products. So I don't know what the other ones have these days. Um but in principle, they all are awesome and do the same um, kind of stuff. So we do that. And then for Git, we use Bitbucket uh, because we want everything to be private. And mm-hmm. uh, GitHub is public by default and you have to pay for privacy. Mm-hmm. And you actually pay, I can't remember the, you pay per project or something weird, something really wonky. Something like that. Yeah. So, so basically uh, GitHub and Bitbucket are effectively the same, right? They're just I think they're inverted. But they're basically inverted in their payment structure. And so if you're a small company with a small team bootstrapping, you can basically do have infinite private repos with infinite space completely for free with like up to five people. I think it was Mm -hmm. Bitbucket. You pay for each user on your team. Yeah. Bitbucket is pretty with unlimited projects. Right. After GitHub, I believe it's you pay for projects with unlimited users. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Might have made that up, and and they might have also changed this in because this was like four years ago when we set that up, set that up. Um, but uh, but yeah, so our, we always are focusing on bootstrapping as much as possible. So that means find the stuff that is going to be sometimes more of a headache to get started with, mm-hmm. um, but that once we're started, will be really cheap to maintain and will be as future proof as possible. So we have to go back and and change everything. So Bitbucket, Amazon, but yeah, pretty much those. Yeah, are the but if you're ones. but if you're looking for other stuff like Heroku, is also mm-hmm. pretty good for bootstrapping and for making robots. Um, and strapping boots. Here's a question. If Amazon's where all the demons come from, is it actually hell? In some ways, yeah. Well, no, that, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Hell is in the cloud. Yep. It's a hell cloud. That <laughs> <laughs> expression comes from the Easterling. And you, when you're reading their documentation, you will feel like you're in hell. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where it comes from. <laughs> all right, the Easterling says, you guys have mentioned that your animation is done through coding movable parts instead of using sprite sheets that have animations already baked in. Mm. Can you talk about that process and why you've chosen to use that method? You're the best. Uh, so the, the reason we do that is just, is just texture space. If we have something that's going to run around instead of doing a 16-frame walk cycle where we recreate that image every time... Mm. We just have no frames. You just rip its legs <laughs> off. You just have to. <laughs> um, because this also gives us flexibility where if we go, oh, yeah, we feel like its legs should look slightly different. Now we just change it once. Or the thing should curl up into a ball and do flips. Yeah. 
then we just no new assets we just needed. fold it yeah. uh, with code. So the the way you do it is, which I think you get to see Flux do in the when she goes and grabs her uh, the her, tools her tool upgrades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she comes flipping in. That's a, all of it is exactly the same stuff. Right? Just the same pieces, just yep. oriented differently. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, no one was like, "Hey, that doesn't look like a flip." Yep. Who cares? Like if we flip the character, what do you want? That's what flip is. <laughs> uh, so the, the way you do it is, I'm just going to be very high level, which is basically uh, in code, you just figure out the distances and directions from one body part to another. So if you say the center of the body is like where your sternum is, for example, mm-hmm. um, then where is your shoulder relative to your sternum? And maybe it's like one shoulder is 45 degrees and like 20 pixels away, mm-hmm. right? And so then whenever you rotate the body, so let's say you rotated the body by 90 degrees. Well, that means the shoulder is now 90 plus 45 degrees because right. it inherits the rotation of the body. Um, so you just kind of do this sort of cascading rotation and then you keep things the same distance apart uh, as they normally would be. So people's arms don't pop off. So, your ar- so like your body doesn't rotate while your arms stay in the same place. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you just, that's what you, that's what you do. It's all about just, it's all about directional and distance relationships between body parts. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be confusing as fuck when you start learning <laughs> yeah. it. Like so confusing. Fair warning. It's going to make your brain hurt, but it's the thing that you can, you'll adapt to and become, it'll become quite intuitive actually. So yeah. I mean, you if only. You just got to start doing it and just know it's going to be real hard and suck a lot. When it starts, just push through it and work at it. Yeah. I mean, if, if only some game studio that uses Game Maker would take their their code library for a skeletal animation uh-huh. and, yep. and sell it on the Yo-Yo Games asset mm-hmm. store. If only that was a thing. Um, gosh, you know, did. I just... That would be <laughs> super helpful to basically everybody. Yeah. Coming soon. Uh, maybe. Alright. <laughs> 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 uh, right. Speaking of which, do we ever get that, to get that to work aggressively enough with all the computational requirements and stuff? It's definitely beefy, but okay. we are making it do a lot of things. Okay. So now yeah, in, in our current game, our, our, our animation code library is, I think each creature is like nine different bones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have like 15 creatures on the board at once. That's a, it's a lot of draw calls. It's a lot mm-hmm. of computation. You can definitely go overboard with, yeah. with code-based skeletal animation, which we are definitely doing. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Our next question comes from Marmadukian. Is it really a selfless act? Even if you feel good after doing it, I have a, I have a better question. Does it matter? Mm. You mean should we even be asking that question? Yeah, like why why does something need to be selfless? Well, I think well, I think the question the real question is 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 selfless even a thing? And even if it was, would it, it be good? Would it be something to strive for? Well, that that's an interesting question. <laughs> Once again, challenging the baseline. What you, right? So, what do you mean by a selfless act? So, like, so let's say, uh, you know, let's say you just go. I'm just gonna just like give all of my life savings to some random person who's struggling okay. or something. So, if you did that, and then go live on the street, okay, all right, and then and then feel really terrible about it. Okay, maybe this is bad. Maybe. <laughs> no, no, I'm trying. I'm trying to get to the point Wait, where it's right, actually because, purely selfless by this definition. Or by this, well, let's, let's t- say, t- hit the question. Right? Take the opposite one. It's like let's okay. say, let's <laughs> the opposite of this. Let's okay. say Bill Gates, right? Uh-huh. You got like a billion dollars. Billion, billions, billions, billion and Gates. You're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick a person, and I'm just gonna give them a shitload of money. So they're having, they're having some struggles. Boom! Now you have no financial struggle anymore, right? So you have been harmed literally none by this. Yeah. The other person's been helped quite a bit. Uh-huh. Yep. What, With what? you so far. Okay. So 
Well, I think maybe maybe that is a selfless act, and here's why. What? Here's why. Because if Bill Gates gave somebody a million dollars, it's as if he didn't from his perspective, mm-hmm. right? Because he has so much money that he wouldn't notice if a million dollars went missing, okay. right? It totally benefits the other person. So the reason it's selfless for him is that his self is completely not impacted by this situation whatsoever. Nor could it be impacted by any positive gains from the situation. Exactly. So so his... his <laughs> Except with all the good press you get about it. But what is yeah. it going to do? But again, it's going to make him feel good. You're, <laughs> you're talking as if the only thing that matters is, is the financial reward, which can't possibly be true. Well, no, I'm saying, mm-hmm. I'm saying what would it matter for him... Good press, bad press, a million dollars, not a million dollars. Well, well, can you read the question again? <laughs> is, it, is it really a selfless act, even if you feel good after doing it? Does feeling good, I guess, would... Well, so, so the, I the guess, question is okay, why you're definition, doing it. What, what they're getting at is the why. Definitions. What, uh, is, what, is, what does selfless mean? Is it that do you, have, for you have absolute disregard for your own self while doing a thing? I think it has to. Is it possible for a human to even do that? Right? Because it's like this, maybe this was kind of getting at a little bit, which is it's just the case that by by nature of our evolution, gen, gen, like generally speaking, if you help someone, you feel good. This is a human thing. Yeah. There's good. There's going to be. It's an. It's a. It's a. It's a spectrum. Right? So is this not just like a physics thing? I think here's like, here's the real problem. Yeah. You know, like we're conservation of energy. It's sort of a universal law. We're talking about this as if. Being selfless is binary, right? Mm-hmm. Either you're completely selfless, boom, right? You had complete disregard for yourself, or you're not selfless, where in that scenario, you even a very tiny bit considered your own benefit from a thing, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe the way to think about it is if you just thought about other people more than what you thought about yourself. This is this is too much because, nuance. I think I no, because this is because this is where the <laughs> less part comes in, right? It's mm. not it's not like it's zero. About self-reduced. It's, it's about thinking about yourself less than you thought about somebody else. <laughs> now, I think this is all bullshit. Self-less. You should just think about right? other people more. Other more. You can you can think about <laughs> you can think yeah, it's, it's other an, more. It's an other more act. Because you can think about yourself just whatever. It doesn't That's fucking matter. That's a good matter. point. Because who but gives like, a fuck? This isn't, this isn't, yeah, this isn't a zero sum game. Like what the right. hell? So it should be other more. It's She's an saying, other more act. I'm gonna do this other more act. So for example, I so one thing one of my favorite things to do sometimes if I'm feeling if I'm just like feeling sassy or down, I'll go to the Starbucks near my place and I'll go through the drive through and then I'll pay for my shit and the person behind me. Mmm. Right, because oftentimes that person then pays for something behind them. So the thing is, everyone's actually still paying the same amount of money, except for me. So you just kick off the chain, and everyone's basically paying the same amount as they would, because mm-hmm. most people get the same shit. Except for the last person getting something for free. Exactly. And then they just drive off going. <laughs> <laughs> but so everyone, but everyone feels good while they're doing that whole chain, right? Because they're like, oh yes, someone did this for me. I'm gonna do it for someone. And of else. course, you get some satisfaction out of I that. I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. That's but, why you do it. But exactly. So the question is, I think it's- It I think can the, just be both. It's I think fun. other more is probably a better framing. Yeah. Because like, it's who gives a fuck if I am being selfless? Like, that's not even the point, right? It's not, but it, I guess another question is, is why do you need to measure it? Why does it have to be, <laughs> why does it have to be other people more than you? No, no, just more than not. Or what, more what than What about just people. like thinking about, what about just caring about other people? Just- 
This is still of, too much nuance again. I you mean, know, like, so if you say, hey, when you when you make a decision, do you at least think about other people? <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, do you think about yourself well, so that you don't end up destitute from having given away all your money? Okay, or here's dead. So or I, was dead at, or I was at Walgreens the other day, and some woman dropped something. We were both in line. She dropped something. And I picked it up and gave it to her. And she's like, that was very nice of you. And I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah. I just pick something it's up. It's probably because usually it people you- pick it up and they throw it across the store. And they go, <laughs> think, and they go think fast. So, but is that, so <laughs> following this other more paradigm shift, is that simply, is it? But it's not other more. But it's, it is. No, because. Then average. You just, you then just, average. Because they define expectations. Here's yeah, the thing. Exactly. You just bent over. Yeah, but most people won't even bend over. That's what I'm saying. So that's it <laughs> is other this more. person's experience. Most other people. I think it, it has to be relative to a baseline. It's just like the Starbucks thing. Like, yeah, but if the no base, one does that, but then. the baseline is is people who just are kind of dicks. Is what you're saying? No, I right? think like the, if like, so, okay, like so we can boil it down to don't be a dick. don't be a dick, <laughs> and also not to yourself. Just like just don't be a dick. Well, in, but in I, mean, every, I think I think the other. Well, you need to think about yourself. Otherwise, you die. Otherwise, you die or terrible things happen to you. Well, also the truth is like it. You can't do so. The example of doing a selfless thing acts as if, like, the idea of selflessness acts as if you are an island. Because the truth is, like, say, so Adam, say you're like, I'm just gonna give, just gonna give all my money away. Well, you know, now, now the state has to support me because I'm homeless. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to gotta keep you alive. We got to, you know, keep your emotional wits about you. You're causing all sorts of trauma for us on the yeah, back end. You're gonna of be this. crashing on our couches, probably. So, Adam. So the the other weird thing to me about the selflessness thing is that it doesn't ever consider oftentimes the the reality of the connected state of everybody mm-hmm. right? true you do you do have a certain minimum amount of self-care that has to be administered right. so and well, he, somebody else is going to administer it yeah <laughs> forcefully so <laughs> yeah so so but that's why i think i do think the other more approach is actually just a good one because for whatever reason it's, it just seems like it neatly solves some of these thinking conundrums regarding the selflessness. Of there's things. another. There's another problem, which is the you know treating treating selflessness, sort of like the idea of you know of uh, putting others first. Putting others first is is something that is only certain people can afford to do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be privileged as fuck to be able to. Yeah. Do like that. you, you got to have all or, your shit taken care of before you can start just like doing taking time or money. And sending that in other people's direction, which to try really to make means their lives taking better. care of yourself is actually taking care of other people. Exactly. So would you say taking care of yourself is selfless? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And because selfish. because maybe because of the interconnected nature of the universe, we're all just a piece we're of all just hole. we're all just like atoms in a giant cosmic mm. boulder. You know. All right. Well, I want to hear people's. <laughs> I want a challenge for this week. This would be fun. Let's do a challenge. We haven't done a challenge. Challenge. Before. What's challenge. the challenge? Wait, what I want, is it? I want to do the other more challenge. Mm. Just, well, we need to define it clearly though before we before we just throw that. Just challenge do something. Out there. Just do think, something nice for someone. Yeah, where you think nice. about <laughs> where you think about other people more than you, you usually than you would. Do. Yeah, not that's not, it. Not more than yourself, Correct. necessarily. Right. Exactly. That's just, just, just more than more. you usually do. I think you're right. I think the idea just think that, about other people more. Well, I think the idea the idea with selflessness that you have to like put down yourself in order to think about yeah. others more to the is point a where false, you cease to exist. Yeah, it's a that's a false. So actually, I'm gonna I'm truth. gonna I'm gonna extend this. Thing. All right, other more me. It's gonna be other more and self more, what which is, is oh yeah, take yeah. better care of yourself. Take better too. care of yourself and other people. Whoa. Yeah. And then, so what are you going to do? So so the challenge this week is do something for yourself 
that takes good care of you mm-hmm. that you normally wouldn't, wouldn't have do. done. Right. Yep. And then do that for somebody else. And then else do also. something for somebody else too. And also gonna be like, holy shit, this is what being a good person is. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. But probably, of course, all of our dear listeners. Well, no, it's not that. about being a good person. It's about being a better person. It's being a more person. It's being more person. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This is the more person challenge. All right. Let's do it. The more person. The challenge has been issued. All right. More person challenge. Do it. Put a a question, I guess, in the podcast form. Or tweet it. Tweet it. Something. Is somebody reading our Twitter now? I am. I'm sure other people are reading it. Uh, All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, We'd like to thank our studio wrangler, Monique, for putting this episode together. Our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound amazing. And the Beescotch dev team, Andy, Tifa, and Sher, for continuing to build stuff while we're in here doing the podcast. Special thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. And, of course, we'd like to thank our listeners for coming back every week to listen to us uh, talk about all kinds of crazy stuff. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, hop into our Discord server at bit.ly slash bsdiscord. Say hello. We had a bunch of people pop in this past week mm-hmm. from that link. It was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, shit, I didn't actually... <laughs> Whoops! It's all right. I got. I got your back. Okay. Uh, also, we have a mailbox. So if you'd like to send us uh, five pounds Coca Cola gummies, <laughs> uh, five pound gummy no, bear, we got plenty of both of those. Five pounds of Rice Krispies. We five, don't have that. Anymore. Five pounds of Reese's. Don't have that anymore. Basically, that one was a particularly good five, five pounds pounder. or something. Basically, <laughs> yeah. candy by the by the five pounds. Uh, <laughs> if you want to send us any of that. Uh, we're, basically, to... <laughs> we're, we're basically surveying all of the candies that come in five pound increments. <laughs> that's true. You know, that's, that's become our existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll we, be experts and too. we ordered five pounds of mini eggs just for ourselves <laughs> last week. Oh yeah. Then we which disappeared too fast. Real quick. <laughs> uh, also, uh, mini eggs are so good. We, as we discussed last week, we're in the midst of a review drive. We are starting to promote the podcast and we are, uh-huh. We're racing toward 100 reviews so on. We, yeah, we're driving a car around and we're just like rolling down the window and yelling at just people. Just screaming at people mm-hmm. until they review us. Yeah. We did get, we now have 50 on the United States hey. store. And I'm pretty sure I got emails from a bunch of people who are in Germany and Canada and a few other places. So thanks to everybody who's already done it. And if you oh, have shit, it, when we're supposed to read some, can I do that? We'll do it in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and this is on, uh, <laughs> this is for Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. specifically. Um, which I believe was iTunes. Now it's Apple Podcasts. Yeah. It's a, it's a, Whatever. Go to bit.ly <laughs> slash CWB Apple to go review C W CWB Apple. Leave us five stars. Uh, and that's going to be super helpful for us. So we appreciate it in advance. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.